Welcome to Bear My Soul, the sensitive yet savage podcast. We're your hosts, Samuel Jones and Ashlyn A. Ray Jenkins. How are we doing, Ash? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm a little sleepy on a Friday, but we're doing good. Sleepy? Yeah. Aren't you done after this? I am. That's why. Yes, yes. Lucky son of a gun? Yeah, I got, a, I got a pretty early day today. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be good. And before we say anything else, you had a birthday yesterday. I did. Turned 32. Oh, wow. Had six years of sobriety on Wednesday. Oh my gosh. And then just got the news that I got accepted into a doctorate of clinical nutrition program. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah. So we celebrated six years of sobriety, 32 years of age, and you're going to be Dr. Jenkins? I guess. Oh my gosh, what a week. (laughs) What What a week. What a week. It's been a big (laughs) week here at A-Ray That's if I make it through it, but we got this, right? We got this. We got this. (laughs) One foot in front of the other, one step at a time. And then I don't think the listeners know about your news. Yeah, so um, Allison and I are pregnant with our second child, and we just found out we're having another boy. Yes. Have you decided on a name? Um, are you keeping it yes, quiet? Yes, but I'm not going to say it on here. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah, we do have a name, though. We do have a name. I'm geeks. Um, you know, to, to have another son, I quite honestly, like, I was, you know, really just kind of thinking and preparing about having a girl, you know, because I already have a little boy. And so I didn't even really allow myself to think, really go into it at all, what it would be like to have two sons. And so now that I've got to process it and think about it, I'm just insanely excited. I'm going to have two boys. boys. They're going to be two and a half years apart. Oh, gosh. And uh, they're going to be a handful for sure. I am not ready because I was surrounded by girls my whole life. So (laughs) I'm a little scared. Yes. Yes. Um, Allison, I'll be there for you. But um, (laughs) I just am glad I can hand them back at this point in time. (laughs) That poor girl. She's so good at being like... You know, an excellent, excellent boy mom, and she supported to, to me and all my friends. You know, she's she had three brothers. You know, she's the only girl, and uh, yeah, it's it two is boys are gonna just wreck your house. Oh my gosh, there is so much testosterone in the house. Like it's plus in Houston, the dog's one hundred and twenty pounds. <laughs> boy, pitbull face. <laughs> yeah, pitbull face. His head is like three of mine, so yeah, she's got a lot going on, but she does good. She's a tough woman. Yeah. <laughs> God is her, not me, but you know. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's fun. There's never a dull moment, and uh, so yeah, that's that's really the only news um, that I have. I think, um, well, I do have one more announcement. Um, you know, with Ashlyn getting her doctorate, you know, we've, we've gone at this with two different approaches to, um, to education, and, and even though things that we do are similar... Um, there's definitely a lot of different things that we do. So with her going after her doctorate, I've committed myself by next Christmas, I will have my CSCS. Heck yeah. Yep. It's a great certification. So, so you inspired me. I'm not going to lie. You Thank did. You. And you know me, I'm, I, I always feel like, you know, I, that the proof is in the pudding and that I don't need, um, Which and is I know true. You're, you're not cloud chasing either. So nope. I, A, I should preface with, I know that's not why you get your doctorate, but I'm saying for me, I've just always kind of felt like, Hey. Either you know what you know or you don't, right? right? With that being said, it is cool, right? One, one thing you've shown me is it is cool to go further in education and to get those things with your name. Yeah. Like, that. that is really cool. And, and if you're capable of doing it and you have the money to do it, why shouldn't I do it? Right? And I think it surprises you how much you can continue to learn even though we are established, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, it's crazy because health and fitness, we know, is always evolving. Yes. So Constantly. as long as we stay on it. You know, we'll always be, we'll always be up to date. Yeah, yeah. I have some friends that are physical therapists, so that and and they have their CSCS, so they've taken the physical therapy, 
that exam I heard is insane to become a doctor this, of physical therapy. I'm sure it I've is. Heard it's, yeah, Shout heard out it's, Emily. <laughs> shout out Dr. <laughs> Emily Ladd. Um, yeah. And then, but they, they told me, they're like, Hey, it's a serious test. They're like, it's not as hard as this. They're like, but, but it's serious. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm just committing to that. So you guys can all help keep me accountable. All right. Next Christmas. Next Christmas. Yeah. All right. Christmas 2024. Yes, ma'am. Yes, awesome. Ma so I'll, I'll probably start preparing for it. I, I'm a pretty quick, like studier, you know what I mean? So I'll probably get all my uh, materials and things I need um, about, I don't know, four, six months in advance, dial in, take it and knock it out. Yeah. So you got it. We're both growing and we'll nail forward, it. Which is exciting. Which yeah, is that exciting. is exciting. I did. I didn't even know that. So let's go. Yeah. 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 I was waiting to tell you. Why not on the air? <laughs> yeah. Right. Just, 100%, so. If you could see my face when I find out these news, <laughs> eventually we'll have video, but not right now. hundred percent. hundred percent. So this is episode three. Episode three. You got a lot of great feedback about the first two episodes, which is really, really cool for us. Um, and so today, um, we're going to introduce ourselves, okay? So this is going to be a two-part thing. And today, we are going to learn about Miss Ashlyn. And we're going to talk about your story, and we're going to talk about where you come from, what you do, and why and how you are who you are. You ready for that? <sighs> Is everyone else ready for that? <laughs> <laughs> Could be a lot coming at you. Oh, there's a lot to that. That's for sure. But yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I get to play the role of interviewer today. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited. Just ready don't, to start? don't suck at it. I will. I'm going <laughs> to. I'm just kidding. Here's the thing. It's like, I might absolutely suck at it. But with that being said, I'm still going to show up. I'm here. And I'm here for it. So. All right. Well, let's get this uh, little interview started. All right. All right, Ash. So, your name. Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll be, I'll be serious. I'll be serious. Well, uh, our, our business name comes from my middle name. So, it's Ashlyn Ray Jenkins, R-A-E. Uh, Dad's middle name is Ray, R-A-Y. Okay. So, mm -hmm. they named me from Dad. And then my first name, Ashlyn. Uh, my grandpa's name was Lynn. They wanted to name me Ashley, so they put two and two together. Mm -hmm. um, and then... Yeah, so we hit a little bit on in the intro, but you're one of three girls. Yep, oh, three girls. Um, I'm the oldest of three, so I just turned 32. Um, Olivia is the middle one. She's 27, and then Elise just turned 25 in July. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what kind of parents you got? Jerry is... Should I call him out on his age on here? Probably not. <laughs> Dang it. I was really hoping I could do that. Yeah, let's keep his... Let's keep his Sorry. Job, Sorry, Dad. I mean, you're so young, Jerry. Yeah. You're so young. He's only, he's only 21. Yeah, I basically. Mean, I mean, and Veronica looks like she's 21. Viron looks like she could be like a solid... Like, how old are you, 32? Yeah, she, she looks like she could be my sister. <laughs> she looks like she could be 33. You're welcome. She did a birthday uh, post for me yesterday, and somebody said, are you guys sisters? I'm like, no, but thanks. <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or not. <laughs> your dad looks pretty good. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to lie, but your mom makes him look ancient. Yeah, pretty like, much. She makes him look like trash. Pretty much. Sorry, Jerry. <laughs> Love you. <so> much, <laughs> Love you. <laughs> um, right. They've so, been married for 33 years. Hey, that's fantastic. They met when they were young. I think they were in their 20s. Um, that's a funny story too, but they actually met in a bowling league. Okay. Um, I didn't know that. Dad went to Lures, mom went to Wayne, and they were in a bowling league for a really long time. Okay, Dad, so they're, they're Fort Wayne people? Yeah, so they've been in Fort Wayne their whole life. Um, I grew up out Fort in Wayne, like- Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yeah, Fort Wayne, Indiana. I grew up in like the Waynedale area, so that's like- I didn't know that. Yeah. So I was there until I was like seven. Okay. And then, so we would have had, mom and dad would have had Olivia at that time. And then my grandparents lived in Grable. My grandpa got sick and he passed. And then my grandma just couldn't be alone. 
Um, so we moved into the house that we're still in now. So I moved into that house in Grable. Or pro- I was probably seven around okay. that age. Um, and they basically just added on to the house so grandma could have like her own side of the house. That's awesome. So obviously when grandma passed now, it's just like one long ranch style out in the country in Grable. Um, but yeah, we've been there for a long time. So that's most of my childhood, really. But I do remember vague memories of growing up in Waynedale, and my grandma still lives out there on my mom's side. Okay. So yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that at all. So you know, let's just talk about you know maybe hit on you know we're trainers and nutrition coaches, so it's like you know obviously this is probably going to be a little bit geared towards you know your relationship with food, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with exercise throughout your childhood. But you know, let's maybe just hit some some you know, some high points as far as your childhood, you know, are concerned. You had a good childhood. You have good parents. You know, did you play sports all growing up? Like, you know, what did that look like for you? What was your, what was your intro to sports and working out in kind of that world? Well, I have to give this shout out first, probably to Elise because we're obsessed with Christmas. Okay. And I really think it's just because it's like one of my favorite memories growing up in childhood. So now like I'm, I helped put up six Christmas trees last year. <laughs> Six. That's ridiculous. So we got to do our first Christmas tree in the gym here last year, and it was beautiful. And I can't wait to do it again. I helped set up Elise's. I helped set up my mom's. I helped set up grandma's. And then I did two in my house. Wow. So I'm pretty sure that's six, but I wasn't counting. I think Diane had six in her own house. Oh, my gosh. At least five. I know that's a good fact. That is a lot. Yeah. And And I I don't know if I'm as Christmas obsessed as you are, but I love Christmas. So when you were asking me about the tree, I'm like... (laughs) Please, let's have a tree. You're you like, please, I mean? let's yeah. have, can we have you can two? Do, yeah, you're like, can we do multiple? Can I have one in my office? That's when I knew you were meant to be my business partner. <laughs> when you were like, I said, can we buy a Christmas tree? And you said, absolutely, can we have two of them? I was like, hands down, <laughs> sign me up. That was the moment. We were like, let's go be successful together. <laughs> that was the deciding factor, <laughs> nothing else. Christmas trees, Christmas trees. Oh, man. That makes sense, that makes sense. Okay. So, so. we're a huge soccer family. I grew up you know, being in sports, around sports. Um, I danced and played soccer majority, though. Um, when I got to high school, my dad told me I had to pick one. I had to pick dancer, soccer, okay. um, as far as like competitively. Well, how old were you when you started dancing and playing oh soccer? Oh, my gosh. Like five, like Probably. seven? Dad, is, dad was my coach from five years old to 18 years old until I went to college. Wow. So Crazy. you really did probably start playing when you were five? Yeah, and okay. Elise and Olivia did, too. We all started super young. Dad played D1 soccer at IPFW, um, which is PFW now, um, but he was a goalie. Uh, I played. Are freaks, man. <laughs> He's a psycho. It's he, fine. Yeah. <laughs> he broke his nose on the crossbar one time. Makes sense. Like, because he jumped so high. And then his <laughs> his defender, Juan, just reset it, and he just continued to play because it was a championship game. Yeah, that's, a, that's a savage move, Mr. Yeah. Jenkins. And for his honeymoon, he was he left his honeymoon early. I feel so bad for my mother. He left his money honeymoon early. For a soccer tournament. Sports guy move. <laughs> that is a huge sports guy move. If you need to know how much we are into sports, I'm pretty sure that shows That's you. impressive. It's That's pretty impressive. crazy. I'm yeah. like, Mom, you didn't divorce him right after that? Thank goodness she didn't. Annulment. Right. Annulment. Yeah, so... Um, okay, so you played from five years old, and you danced and played soccer all up until high school? Yep. And okay. then I did continue to dance a little bit through high school, but like not as competitively because I was playing travel soccer... I was playing in high school, um, you know, I knew I wanted to play in college, so that took precedence over dance at that time, because I knew I wasn't going to go professional, um, or I wasn't going to, ex- you know, extend past high school in dance, like, that just wasn't the plan, and St. Francis, um, they had a dance team when it was fairly new, um, and I just had decided on soccer that that was my, 
that was my thing. Yeah, that's what's up. That's what's up. So, you know, so let's take a step back, you know, a little bit. So growing up, you're an athlete, you're playing sports. That's awesome. Dancing. What was your relationship with like food growing up? Like, could you eat whatever you wanted to? You know, I know a lot of athletes, you know, growing up, we're all eating McDonald's. We're all eating, oh, yeah. you know, sub, everything we can get our hands on because we're burning so many calories. So were you like that or were you kind of already a clean eater? Um, honestly, I don't remember us really ever eating like super unhealthy. Mm-hmm. I do remember like comfort foods, like normal, you yeah. know, like chili and I don't know, pasta, stuff like that, yeah. bread. Um, but I don't ever remember it being particularly like super unhealthy or anything like that. I will say I could eat pretty much as far as I know, which mom might correct me on this, but I could eat pretty much whatever I wanted without symptoms until I was about 16, 15, 16. Okay. And then that's when symptoms like GI symptoms started really, really bad and was basically kind of controlling my life at that point. So, I mean, I don't think my... I don't think I really even knew my relationship with food until then. Just never really paid attention to it. Nope. Because you weren't over, so you weren't overweight. Nope. You know, with playing soccer and dancing and stuff. Oh like yeah. That. Okay. I was a twig actually. Really? Like yeah, I had no muscle. Like I was just stick skinny. I mean, I wasn't taught any of that stuff. Like we didn't know. Yeah. You know, twenty years ago, we didn't know how important strength training. Yeah, and and it was just kind of old school training and i mean i don't know i just wasn't around people that like worked out regularly yeah. or that like you know counted macros or, or paid attention to their diet or whatever because i was a healthy kid at that time 100%. so it didn't really expose itself until yeah probably about 16 was probably the first time when they and that's when i got diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome when i was 16 okay yep lazy diagnosis yeah we know that now <laughs> yeah i remember you know cuz we're around the same age about 2 years apart but I feel like you know, I graduated in 2012, and whenever I was in school, no one was lifting weights if you weren't on the football team. You know what I mean? Right. The football team's been lifting weights for 40, 50 years. But outside of that, it, like, it was weird, right? If, if, a, if a different sport athlete was in the weight room or there was a guy at our school who was a good friend of mine, Nick, who was actually a power lifter, like, that was super weird. Like, none of us was like, you're, you're lifting like, weights and weird... you don't play ball. You know what right. I mean? Like, what these two things don't. That, that's not you don't how play it sport works. Lifting weights. Exactly. But it's so different now. Like you go to the commercial gyms, you see tons of high school kids, middle school kids even. Yeah. Like it is a totally different thing. So I think the first time I like lift like started really lifting regularly was probably senior year of high school because I knew I was going into college. And I don't remember how my dad suggested it, but he, he suggested it of I went and got like an anytime fitness membership. Oh, and I think it came with, like, three free sessions with a personal trainer. Okay. And I remember doing that and kind of learning a lot about the strength world and being like, whoa, what have I been missing, <laughs> you know, type yeah. of thing. And, like, because cardio-wise, cardio, cardio wise, like, cardiovascular, I was, like, very strong cardiovascular. Like, okay. I knew I was going to be able to come into preseason as a college athlete and pass my fitness testing. So you were always But I wasn't strong. Right. Right? I, I was like healthy but i wasn't like strong strong this is cool because it's like i know you super well but i don't know any of this yeah yeah no i did i did not know that that's yep. that is so that's my first time like because I, I don't i mean i'm sure we did stuff at soccer where it was like i mean we ran a lot i'm sure we did sit-ups and some push-ups and stuff like that but there was never like regular programmed strength training wow. or it wasn't like recommended to be like you need to be lifting two to three days a week or whatever yeah. that looks like for the time so, yeah, I didn't even really start lifting until I was 18. So you're looking at how many years ago? Is that 14 years ago? Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. 
what was did like did your body like hyper respond like what were you blown away like what, yeah. what happened when you i actually to... have stretch marks on my inner thighs because yeah. i gained muscle so quickly that makes sense because yeah. i went from not lifting at all to like playing college soccer and lifting really heavy and i gained muscle like crazy like i can actually put on muscle for a woman pretty That's awesome. pretty easily um especially when i'm like dedicated to it and in that time um i can i can put on muscle much much easier than i can cut much easier. That makes sense. Are you on the higher end of the female testosterone? Yeah, I, I did. When I was in prep for my bodybuilding show, I got my labs done and my testosterone was naturally high. Really? And it was just because I was overtraining. But I, I think I do run a little bit naturally higher. Gotcha. Yeah. That definitely helps with that ability to gain muscle. Yeah. And you said, I, I, I was going to say this to the people, but it's like you mentioned stretch marks. We're going to have to do a whole episode on stretch marks <laughs> and some point. What? <laughs> no, no, I'm That's serious. Hilarious. No, I'm serious. Like I've had, so cause I have stretch marks, right? Like, yeah on my arms, chest, like from lifting, but then I also have them on my belly, um, you know, from being overweight. Right. And so it's like, I, and, and you know, so many people have them, right? Whether it's from lifting weights, being overweight, having babies, whatever. So I'm just saying, put that in the back of your head. At right. some point, we're going to address that. <laughs> we're going to write this like, one down. when I finish my cut, um, I'm going to make a post. It'll be like a multi-picture post, right? And on the post, like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to be shirtless or whatever. And I'm gonna in the post I'm gonna write like, look, I have a six pack and stretch marks on the same stomach. Yeah. Right. The abs are who I am, off. and the stretch marks who I was. Yeah. And it's like, how cool is that? that like, is cool. I used to hate them, but it's like I don't anymore. I really don't. Like, yeah. Does no. not mess with me at all. So, anyways, I just it made me <laughs> no. Think, that so is awesome. We have, we have so many things that. to talk about. So here. it is. It's it's gonna be great. So okay. So senior year, you start you know lifting weights, getting ready for college. Start. At what point did you realize? Like, when did you sign with St. Francis? Uh, senior year. Oh man. It's so crazy to think back on senior year. I signed. So something I was upset about was mm -hmm. I actually signed with a coach who I loved and was my travel coach at the time. Um, my senior year and, um, he, his coaching style was very much like my dad's. It was kind of just like, he was a really good fit for me where he's like funny, but like when it's time to get to work and put the laces on, like it's time to go. Mm -hmm. Um, so I loved that about him. So, you know, I'm working my butt off during the summer for um, preseason because I got to come in fit, you know, pass this fitness testing as a freshman. Um, and I get a call from St. Francis that says um, uh, Newber had actually been moved. He got a job at Notre Dame. Oh, my gosh. So then I ended up having a coach that I didn't or that I hadn't actually committed to. So I didn't really know this coach very well. Oh, no way. Um, yeah. So that was pretty wild, too, because. Um, and That's of course, crazy. Newber is back to St. Francis now. If you really? ever listen to this, I'm still upset with you because <laughs> I loved him so much. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's back now. He's got, I mean, he was an excellent player, great program. So um, yeah, it, it it didn't deter me from going there because they had my degree. I liked the school. I had already met, you know, some of the girls and been in the dorms and all that. And plus I had already committed money-wise. So yeah. it was like, all right, if we're going to do this, let's just do it. You so know? because he was supposed to be your coach, was there even any consideration on the front end for playing other places or was it like no that's where I'm going because you know I know that coach I know that guy like was it did you shop out colleges at all I or honestly like... don't remember shopping very many colleges okay. I think the only two I really looked at were IPFW and St. Francis okay and I would have went to St. Francis because I really liked the coach there then as well he's a very mm -hmm. good friend of our family and uh they didn't have the program that I needed gotcha. they didn't gotcha. have exercise science program at the time okay. which I I think they have it now but yeah, they didn't have it then. So that was kind of my deciding factor. And then scholarship too. So tight too. 
Is it? Ain't nobody leaving. <laughs> right? Ain't nobody leaving town. Nobody. Across the state oh, that was states. a requirement for Erotica. Is it? I, I mean, I you wanted... can't go more than a 25-mile radius. That, I get it. You know? Yeah. She would kill us if we did that. Yeah. So. But, yeah. Um, okay. I, well, and then, so that was probably, I came into preseason, and that was literally one of the hardest things I've ever done. Hands down. What, the preseason of soccer? Just soccer in general. I was going to ask you, what was the... The fitness test that you had to pass. Yeah. What, do you it was all horrible. Because I know sorry. different sports have different ones. Like so, we did a like a beep test, okay. um, which you're probably familiar with. I feel like football I, players do that one sometimes. Not so much anymore, but I'm familiar with it. Okay, we so we had to do that. We had to run a mile. Well, why don't you tell the people what a beep test is? I don't know if I specifically remember. It's like suicides, basically, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's like you have to get to basically a beep in that amount of time. Like it's just a timed right. test so, essentially. So, yeah, it's like a stat. It's a staggered run. You got to get to certain places under certain amounts of time. Um, and we played on turf at the time, and that's the first time I've ever like regularly practiced or played on turf because we different. shared with the football people. Yeah, and so that was hard because I mean it makes it like I think they said there was a study that did like turf makes it like fifteen degrees hotter or something. It does. So yeah. your feet are on fire. It's very. You hot. can't breathe. It's horrible. It's, <laughs> I'm it's, thinking it's it sounds so horrible. It's like there's a lot of different types of turf, but. Um, it, it, it typically plays a little faster. I don't know what it does in soccer. Yeah. Like in football, it, oh, like, it moves the ball so quick. Yeah. You yeah. got to be it's, ready. It's a different It's a different thing. But in football, like, you know, we all agree, especially they're having a thing in the NFL about it right now since Aaron Rodgers just tore his Achilles. Yeah, on I saw turf. that. Yeah. Where it's like grass, you know, with, with that game, there's so much banging and everything. It's like over time, it's better. Yeah. Because it's like it might be a little faster on turf, but as far as injuries – it also burns you. Like, did it burn you? Your guys' oh my gosh. Like, you slide tackle. Yes, and, and like terrible. You terrible look like you got road, like road rash. You know. What I'm yeah. Saying? Oh like, yeah. yeah. Like ball marks. The whole thing. Oh. Yeah. Lots gosh. of bruises. Oh yeah. really? Shin splints? Was it? I wonder what. I think it was I, just from changing. Like I had always played and practiced on grass. Oh, so and then you put us on a harder, yeah. harder surface. Well. And our coach was overrunning us for sure. Like now I know what I know, and we were being overtrained for sure. Yeah, soccer's so, insane. Yeah, it was insane. But then we also had to do a two mile, so we had to run the mile, um, and it had to be under. I think I believe it was under seven minutes because that's the fastest mile I've ever ran, which was like a six thirty six or something. Nice. Which I don't think I could do that again if I tried. <laughs> I'd have to really train for it. Yeah, um, I've never ran one under six. No. I think my best time ever was like six oh seven at one hundred ninety pounds. And I'm pretty sure IPFW's mile had to be six minutes, but this one had to be under seven. Then you got to rest while the other people went, and okay. then you had to do it again. And both miles had to be under seven minutes. Woo! Yeah. And yeah. then we also did a, oh, man, I can't even think of what she called them, but it was essentially kind of like a beep test. It was a time mm -hmm. test where you had to do, I think it was like six down and backs, and then you had to finish it in like 36 seconds, and you got to rest until the minute. And then you had okay. to go again, and you had to do it for eight minutes. Jeez. That's horrible. There's a reason you guys are the most conditioned athletes. I mean, oh, yeah. I love soccer players. I just look back now, and I'm like, how did I do condition. that? I mean, yeah. seriously, it was crazy. The body adjusts. I know. And, and think about it. You, you were running around playing the game since five. Right. Right? And it, and it really does. Like, we know the, you know, obviously we know it now as coaches, but it's, the body is insanely adaptable and gets conditioned to what you put in front of it. Well, and at the time... You I try mean, to do it now, you fall apart. Right. And that's my thing. At the time, I didn't know anything nutritionally. Right. So oh, it was like... Well, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. Right. I mean, I'm pretty sure I was eating ramen noodles, the Easy Max, <laughs> in the microwave. McDonald's. Yeah. You know, Wendy's was right down the road, Subway. I mean, because we would wake up, we'd have strength training 5 a.m. to 6, mm -hmm. then we'd have practice 7 to 9, 
then we would have a classroom, and then we would come back for a three-hour night practice. Oh and that gosh. was for three weeks straight, including Woo! Sundays. That's nuts. Yeah. That's intense. But that's what I'm saying. Nutritionally, I think, well, because you asked about relationship with food. Like, when I yeah. was 16 and, you know, got diagnosed with IBS, I feel like that's where my negative association with food started because uh, I would eat and not feel good, but I didn't know what was causing stuff. So then it would be like, well, I just don't want to eat. And then yeah. it's like, well, if I don't eat, then I can't perform. So it was just like this like negative vicious cycle. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, honestly, I called my family doctor. Our, our doctor just retired and he's like 90 something. But like I had called my family doctor. There was a nurse I was close with in there. And I said, listen, like I'm literally doing everything. I don't know what else to do. And she goes, and this was before really anybody knew much about gluten. And she goes, you know what? She's like, why don't you just try this? Try cutting gluten out for two weeks. And, like, I didn't even know what that was, right? Because, what, you're, you're 16, so that's been 16 years ago? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So, so nobody knew. Sure. That's, like, 05? Yeah, nobody yeah. really. I mean, the research didn't come out until, you know, five years 100%. ago. 100%. It definitely wasn't mainstream, and especially not in the Midwest. Right. You know, there's probably people on the coast that were already, you know, operating for sure, but. Well, it's crazy to think, though, that she possibly planted the seed for that because, like, she she was the only one to ever suggest it. And she was really? like, I don't know if this is going to work, but try it. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, bam, two weeks. I knew like, that's exactly like what it was. Made a huge difference. And then that's when they tested me for celiac and I tested positive for celiac. Wow. So that was when celiac disease is an autoimmune disorder. That is, I think we talked about it, a reaction to gluten. Mm -hmm. um, and it's actually, it's not like an intolerance where it's just symptomatic. This is an actual, um, like the uh, autoimmune cells are attacking the body, basically. Right. So it's really dangerous to have an unmanaged autoimmune disorder. Absolutely. So not finding out until I was, I think I found out when I was like, I really honestly feel like I was like 19, maybe. So while you were playing college ball? Yeah. No, I don't, maybe it was after college. I don't honestly remember. I Yeah, it had to have been after college because I was still eating pasta and stuff. But so we didn't really, really know until, yeah, I was probably like 23 and then I was kind of keeping it in here and there. And then, like, obviously, I was just getting worse and worse. And then eventually it was just cold turkey and no more. So figured that out the hard way. That makes sense. That makes sense. So you played college soccer. You went to St. Francis in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And what were your degrees? My bachelor's is in exercise science. Okay. I had a minor in um, marketing and business. Cool. Um, and then my master's degree is in nutrition. Um, that was from Liberty University. They're based out of Virginia. Okay. My doctorate will be from University of Western States. They're out of Portland, Oregon, and that will be a doctorate of clinical nutrition. So pretty much advancing in the nutrition world because of my story and what I've been through. I just want to make sure I can advocate for people as much as possible. And this is a functional medicine degree. So this isn't like it, it's not when they say clinical, they mean in a clinical atmosphere as like a patient. This mm -hmm. is just a this is a functional medicine degree. So it's holistic. It's you know, dietary interventions, combining dietary interventions with holistic practices and then, you know, medicinal things if people need it, right? Like, yeah. I'm a firm believer in let's address everything we can naturally before we go to medicine. I, sure. I don't disagree about medicine. I think people need it. Yeah. But I think, like, why why not do everything you can on your own first before you go to a pill? Oh, absolutely. I think the, the, the funnel, if you will, is, you know, we address lifestyle, adequate sleep, adequate nutrition, then quality of that nutrition, right? Typically I address quantity before quality. Yeah. Right? Um, but then we're gonna go quality as far as like what's in that food. Um, then we're gonna look to supplementation, 
right? Then after supplementation, if we can't get to where we're trying to go, that is when we look for medical intervention. Right. That is typically the funnel that I use, well, for myself, but, you know, for all my clients. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think there's a place, you know, there's a place for that. 100%. Absolutely. So it's not that we're against medicine. Not it's at all. just we. Not at all. Listen, when I blew my bicep off a couple of years ago. You needed medicine. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I, was, I was absolutely thrilled. Yeah. Do I think that there, do I think that we have a real issue in this country right now um, with way too many people being on lifestyle medications that they could make adjustments with and not be on? Yes, I do. Yeah. I absolutely do. But that in no way, shape, or form makes me not like medicine. I just in all things, think we should be looking at how we're using it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what are we combining it with? And are you looking at all the other factors? Stress, 100%. sleep, caffeine, you right. know, oh, there's so many things that we totally. discuss with So clients. before we get on a tangent, right, let's, we'll rewind <laughs> it back. Okay, so 23 years old, right? You graduated, um, you find out you're celiac. So what are you doing? Like, what are you, what are you working on? What, like, what's going on in your life? You know I mean? Um, so I got hired right out of college, um, at a, per, uh, it was called personal training Institute. Okay. Um, I remember up on, it used to be on DuPont. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the modality that they use is way different. They're using like a negative and a positive, which means nothing to everyone, but it's basically just like slow and controlled training times yeah. a million. I, I know a guy, Michael, shout out to you. Um, he, he was, he used to be there, I believe. Um, he's a trainer at Iron Society, real good guy. And he's a wrestling coach at Dwayner. Nice. You'd really like him. What's really, his last really name? Nice I feel like I know him. Uh, Nick's? Yeah. yeah. I went to school with his... <laughs> no way. At St. Francis, his sister. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, so that's... Yeah, I actually worked with him at Personal Training Institute. Okay, yeah. Yep. Um, I, know, I know Michael really well. Yeah, he's a good guy. I got that hired um, there fresh out of college, like already had a commitment with them. I worked there for about six months and then I got hired in at a different place as an assistant wellness director... Um, and that's really when um, the, I just had a lot more responsibilities. Like it was me creating the programming. It was me, okay. like I was working specifically with athletes and training volleyball athletes. Okay. Um, you know, volleyball training is it's in some ways similar to soccer as far as like what a, they need. Mm -hmm. um, so I was training and doing that for a really long time. I think I was there for probably a year and a half. It okay. just felt like a really long time. But I mean, we were training probably 60 athletes a night. Wow. I mean, maybe some, some nights 75. Wait, I mean, it was crazy. Are you telling, saying so like they would be in blocks. So okay. it was like every hour you'd get like 30 of them. Wow. Yeah. 25 okay. to 30 of them. Like so it really taught me. Training. Yeah. It taught me like that's, I think that's why I love group training because it taught me like, you know, multitasking and like not everybody needs like, or gets to a point where they don't need one-on-one -on -one attention in certain atmospheres, I guess. Yeah. So for me, it just showed me like, okay, I can train multiple people at once and like form still be good, you know? Um, and you I was responsibly train more than one person at once. Right. Yeah. And at the time I was also coaching with dad at Leo. Um, okay. I was coaching girls soccer. So yeah. like I already had like a coach's mentality and the guy, you know, that I worked for at the time really liked that because like, I think the girls really respected me, but there were times like if they're goofing around, like, Listen, I'm going to lay down the law. Right, like, we're right. here. We have, I think it's actually 45-minute blocks. Like, we have 45 minutes for you to get an effective workout in. Yeah. So, you need to pay attention. You Absolutely. know, and you, if you're not paying attention, you're going to get hurt. Right? So, being an athlete, you know, your dad's a coach. Was it a pretty, like, natural um, segue into coaching and training people? Like, yeah. As, you know? Yeah. And I, I think a lot of, like, the aspects that come with coaching, like, are very similar to personal training and group training where it's, like, 
you know, you can't talk to everyone the same. You can't train everyone the same. So, like, that was the challenge about training 25 athletes at once is it's, like, they all have, like, similar needs, but also all their needs are different. Like, it's... It's confusing. It's well. It's it's. We have the. It, it's just like people, right? We you know, we talk about the pillars of health: water, nutrition, sleep, relationship. It's like we all have the same needs as far as we're all made up of the same materials. We're all human, but it's how those needs get expressed, how those needs get met. Um, you know the variance in each one of them. Yeah, it's like it's so different. You know yeah. what I mean? I have clients that I can get really aggressive with and. Um, fired up and you know we're we're gonna lift some heavy weights and you know other people where it's like you know if I would if I would talk to them like that they would completely shut them down they want you to be the calm to the storm absolutely and so it's like it really is yeah whether you're coaching team sports or personal training you know I think that your value um, of helping people and your measure of a coach is that ability to you know to be adaptable from person to person Sure. And to meet them where they're at. So that's cool. That's cool that it was like, you were kind of set up, you know yeah. what I mean? And I was already working position. with kids like the same age, you know, like yeah. high school age. And they were all girls. Like so I'd, I'd always coach girls. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I think. It, for about a year and a half? Yeah, said? it was about okay. a year and a half. Um, after that, I kind of switched gears a little bit. And to be honest with you, I don't remember why. Okay. But I ended up getting a job at a restaurant, actually. So you got, like, maybe a little burnt out. Like, I think I just, you yeah. you went from college, got thrust into the training world. Yeah. Right? And I honestly just felt like at that time, I wasn't 100% on what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted a break. And I knew working in a restaurant for me was easy because it's like I go in, I do my job, I leave. And I'm really good at multitasking. And, you know, I like it restaurants because it's. Um, it's intense, it's high stress, it's quick, it's chaotic, and I, I thrive in atmospheres like and that. money is no joke. Right. And like, no I, I I think it was Ziano's that I was working at, which is an Italian restaurant here in Fort Wayne, and I worked there actually for like, on and off, for like, 10 years. Really? Yeah, on were, and off. Were you, over, were you at Maysville or DuPont? I've been at all of them. They have oh, really? three here. Yeah, I worked at all three oh, of them. Oh, was the one southwest? Yep. Okay. That's the okay. one I was originally at, off of Covington. Gotcha, gotcha, yep. gotcha, gotcha. So I switched gears, went to that. Was so how old would you have been at that time? So as Probably 25. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and then I, I was serving there for a while. Um, and I don't remember how long I was there until I got... I'd been there for a while. I became the GM there. And then I got really burnt out on that. I didn't know you were the GM <laughs> of a Zianos. Yeah, I was. I got really, really, really burnt you out. You got to do a freaking podcast <laughs> with your friend. <laughs> to get to know them better. Right? We just, I don't know why we've never talked about that. Well, it's, you know, like I said, you, you, you learn new things about people every, you know, yeah. every day. It's, it is funny, though, how much you can connect with someone just by getting on some microphones. Right? You know what I mean? It's like, whoa, I didn't know that. Hey, take that. This is advice. If you got some friends out there and you're like, man, <laughs> just get I some really mics. need to connect. Yeah, just go grab <laughs> some microphones, sit down and do a podcast. You start today. asking questions. Yeah, you guys might learn some things. Thank yeah, you. so I was a GM over there, and then um, it just, like, that stress of that, I just, I wanted less responsibility at that point in my life where, mm-hmm. like, I didn't have, like, I could just come in and do my job and go home. Like, yeah. I just, that's at that point in my life, that's all I could really handle. Yep. Um, so I actually got a serving job at Longhorn Steakhouse and actually loved that job. Very stressful, very stressful, but loved it. And made really, really good money. I mean, I could seriously walk out on a, on a Saturday night making 400 bucks. No, oh, I believe you. I, I believe mean, insane. You. Yeah, I know some, yeah, some people. And you're walking home with that in your hand. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's crazy. You're taking it home. It's cash in hand, baby. Yep. 
So I did that for, that would have been like 2018 to 2019. Okay. And then in 2019 is when I opened A-Ray. Woo! And okay. I said, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I was living at home at the time, so I'm like, literally, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like, no matter what, I'm going to have a home and I can pay my bills. I was going to say, let's, let's talk about, you know, across the board, where, like, what all was going on in Ashton's life in that time. Right, so you're working at a restaurant, or you know, graduate college. You work in your industry for a few years. You get tired, get a little burnt out. Say, I don't know, you know, if I can handle because you got to take coaching home with you. For right? sure. So you need a job that you can just clock in, clock out, and go home. Get and, paid. Yeah. So we're in 2019. Let's talk about your life. Like, what's going on in your life? Where are you at? I mean, working at restaurants is crazy, man. Um, I, we'll get to my story at a time, but I worked at a at a Sonic drive-in in high school, and it's like I know, you know. Yeah, Probably restaurants can be crazy. Let's be honest. Lots it's of high drinking, stress. Lots of drugs. Like, lots of drinking. Yeah, it's it's you know it's it's, it's an environment. So it's like so 2019. Well, that's decide. actually a good segue actually because I'm gonna backtrack a little. Thank you. I'm doing good at this. <laughs> you are good job. Um, so I think it's important to discuss like my addiction background. So like I I don't know I just in college like I drank for what I'm sure everyone around me considered normal. You know you're kind of partying as a college kid and mm-hmm. like you know I'm still going to class you know I have a great GPA I'm playing soccer I actually danced for the Mad Ants I was doing a trillion things I had a job um but I was just partying like a normal kid on the weekends or, or for what I thought was normal um and then a couple of years later um like out of college that's when I felt like I mean I didn't know at the time that like things were starting to get a little bit out of control. Mm. And my mom had told me, you know, when I was young, she had said, you know, genetically this runs in the family, you need to be careful. And I kind of just brushed it off and I was like, nah, I'm fine. Like I got it under control, you know, as everyone does with an addiction and when they're in the denial part. So then um, I actually, okay, so after being GM of Zianos, I went to Longhorn and then I had a small point of time where I was actually working a social work job okay. and at that time I had a boss who actually I got sexually assaulted um, and this is the first time I've really opened up about that with anyone else but I think this is really important because this is a huge part of me and my story and my future and I want somebody else to know that they if they're going through it that like I understand it and there's just so many things in my business that I've been able to connect with people who have gone through the same thing, unfortunately. So yeah. um, that's when, after that happened, that's when my drinking got really bad. Um, and I just, I don't, there's not really, I don't think there's really any, I don't regret it at all because, which is weird to say, because it it got me to where I am now. Yeah. And not having an addiction, I wouldn't be who I am today. My sobriety is what makes me who I am, yeah. 100%. And so at the time when that happened, I had no, I had no coping mechanisms. Like I had never been to therapy. I, I had no idea how to deal with this. And it was just ick. Like having to come home and talk to my parents and say that out loud. I just, I had, this sounds bad, but I had to be drunk to do it. I was like, I can't even, I can't even tell you, you know? And, um, so after that happened, I, I just know that it got really, really out of control. Um, and that was in March of 2017. So and then... Essentially, if I'm hearing you correctly, whew, I didn't know you were dropping that on here. Yeah. Um, 
been praying a lot about it. Yeah, I, I, so I, I didn't know you were doing it. That's awesome. I'm proud of you. Thanks. First of all, because anyone, this goes on the internet. Yeah. And anyone can hear that. Yep. This is the first time we're publicly talking about it. Yep. So I'm, I don't think really anybody knows, honestly. Yeah. So first of all, proud of you. Thank you. Right? That's huge. Um, second of all, so something horrible happened to you. Mm-hmm. You didn't have the tools at the time to reach out, right, to, to work through it, right? You didn't have... The tools, right? right? The emotional intelligence, the co- like you said. So I just went to what I knew. You just turned to something familiar. Yeah. Right. I knew alcohol would make me, it would give me, for lack of better words, the F it mentality. It yeah. was like, if I'm if I'm drinking and I'm, or if I'm doing, if it, it makes it mindless, right? It, may, it numbed me out. Yeah. And that's what I needed at, at that time or I thought I needed. Anything. Right. I can't feel and I didn't want to feel. Because I felt, and now I understand having gone through that, why women don't come forward. Like, it's such an ick feeling, even though it's something that you had zero control over. And it's like, at that point in time, like, I would not have been in the right headspace to even pursue that, you know, like, even in the court or anything like that. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't, because I feel like it would have probably made my drinking worse. Um, and, and me and my parents had talked about that. And I did see an attorney, a woman attorney, who... That's another thing that I'm going to be a huge advocate for when I open my nonprofit for the sexually assaulted women here um, is the attorney. Again, I was in a terrible headspace, so I could have totally just taken it the wrong way. But I mean, she basically told me that like it was warranted almost. And what I think she meant now is that there wasn't enough proof to like actually go after him. Yeah. Um, but having another woman tell you that was like so debilitating and then that's when it got really bad and that year so that was in march of like 2017 because you're you're taking steps forward you're talking about it right you know things are happening basically someone's like yeah well that happened and there's not you know there's not much we can do i mean that's basically what it was yeah, yeah yeah and it's like wow thank you for totally meeting me where i'm at as i'm a freaking mess in here, right? right? right totally. Like, and I know it's not that—that's not an attorney's job, but she definitely could have approached it way more softly. Sure. And, and and you know, we're talking about at the end of the day, right? Not what she did or didn't do, but how it made you feel, right? Right. That—that's you know, that's that's the big thing. It's like it made you go into yourself, You're and like, it made me just like dig a deeper hole into drinking because right. it was like now I feel invalidated, right? And now I feel disgusting, and it you know, and so that made drinking worse. And my dad just basically. After a couple of weeks, he was like, he looked at me because I've never not had a job. Mm-hmm. You know, I just couldn't function. My dad was like, you need to go get a job. And I was like, all right. So that's when I went back to Ziano's because, again, familiar. Cheer. I knew I could. <laughs> I'm just, that's like, go get to a lighten job. the mood a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm just picturing Jerry just walking in like, hey. Get your shit okay. together. Yeah. Get your <laughs> yeah. shit together. Yeah. I mean, Believe honestly, that's basically how it happened. Um, so I went back to what was familiar. I knew I could do it with my eyes closed. So it would be really easy. And then in July of that year, I went on a missions trip to Haiti, my first one ever. And honestly, what I think back on that too, crazy how God works because like that was kind of something I kind of got thrown into a little bit. Mm-hmm. Totally did not have the money to go either. Okay. And it was like just God just totally handled it. Yeah. I got a bunch of sponsorships and donations and stuff. So I got to go. Um, I was baptized as a child. I grew up Catholic. We're not Catholic. We don't practice Catholicism anymore, but um, I didn't feel like I got to choose baptism for myself and mm-hmm. I felt like I was in a point in time where I wanted a clean slate and so I had talked to Kylie about that my mentor and pastor and I had said what do you think about baptizing me in the Haiti Ocean and he's like I thought you'd never ask <laughs> it was so cool so I've got cool. the coolest pictures and I mean it's just beautiful I mean just 
bright blue water. Got baptized there. I have to say this too, and we'll, we'll talk about this, but it's, we've talked before about how we're the same person. Mm-hmm. I've also been, I was also baptized on my first mission trip. Are you serious? hundred percent. We're learning so in many Mexico. things. Not in Haiti, it was in Mexico, but yeah, it's. Oh my gosh. I, I know, it's so, it's, it's so fun. <laughs> Once, once people start listening more, they're going to be like, wow, you two are the same person. It's, yeah. It's I think we're basically just twins. Pretty much. Except for you're way older. <laughs> so old. I'm literally two years older than you. <laughs> you just turned 30. Yeah, <laughs> Hashtag thick 30s. We're twins. You came out first. That's all yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, right? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so then March. Okay, so that was March. So then July was Haiti. And then I came back from Haiti and I was still drinking kind of here and there. And then it was September 13th of that year. So a day before my birthday, I literally woke up and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. Like literally it was like a God intervention where I was like rock bottom. I never want to feel like this ever again. Mm. And literally have not picked it up a day since. That's wild. I literally was like, never, ever, ever. So and that was six years ago yesterday. Six years ago, Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Six years. Oh, that's and right. The, the day before your birthday. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. So the 13th. And then I actually ended up doing a group therapy over in Parkview um, specific to addiction, which I think that's where my sister works now, which is kind of cool. That's cool. Circle. Um, but I best, well, because I was like, mom, like I had basically talked to my parents about it and I was like, you know, I don't know what to do, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, why don't you try this group therapy? Worst comes worse, you don't like it, and we'll take you out of it. And I was like, all right. Best decision I ever made. Like, it was so cool being around other people that had the same struggles. Like, it just made me feel less alone. It made me yes. feel less guilty. It's like, oh, there are people that think like me. Like, oh, I'm not crazy. Like, there are, you know, maybe genetic reasons or... Like, I just got to learn the science behind it. I think they did a really good job of that. And for me, that helped because I got to understand how the brain works, how an addictive brain works, and how a normal brain works, for lack of better words, normal. And so that kind of made it more black and white for me. And there were other people in the class, which was beneficial, that were like 40 or 50 years old. And they had been sober for like 15 to 20 years, picked it up, had one drink. Their life was worse than the first time they picked it up. Yeah. And I was like, that alone in itself, I'm never touching it again. You open that door back up, something bigger will come in. And there's no, there's, there was just no need for it. Like it just, it made me feel sick. Like it, it I'd had no, like, not that I didn't have control, but it was just zero to a hundred. I mean, I guess I didn't have control, but it was like, I, I don't know. I felt like that, that group therapy just like really opened my eyes to like an addictive brain and how you can't fight that genetically. Like yeah. it is what it is that my brain, like I'm just, I have an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. It's just part of who I am. And so once I got to accept that and understand the science about it, I mean, obviously the first, I'd say the first six months of sobriety were definitely the hardest, but like, again, I would do it again and again and again. Like I would do it over and over and over again because everything I have and everything I am that has come into fruition within these last six years is who I am. And I just wasn't being who I was prior to that. And so it's so cool because it's like God used that as my journey and my story. And I've been, I just... I have people reach out to me all the time, like, you know, how do, how do you do it? Like, how do you go out to family events or to the lake or to a bar and be around alcohol and it not bother you? Yeah. That's one of the things that, not that I like the most about you, but that I noticed right away was that like, oh, you can hang. Yeah. You know what I mean? I love and, to and hang. This is, this is 100% no judgment on how anyone walks out there 
sobriety or their commitments that they've made to themselves, right? I want to preface with that. I yeah. would never... Listen, if you can't go to the bar, don't go to the bar. Right. Right? Like, I And totally, I didn't for the first year, so... Yes, and I just wanted to say yeah. that, that I support that. 100%. And I, and I am with you. Do not... Don't put you yourself in a situation to be... 100%. To question your sobriety 100%. ever. But as your friend, right, and business partner, it's like, it is cool. That yeah. It's like, we can be in, you know, normal... I don't... Like you said, lack of a better term, normal... Um, but just regular environments, whether that be at a nice restaurant, people are drinking, we, you know, uh, the driving people out, home. The, I do that. It, exactly. And it's like, me. And I've never felt like you, at least around me, you know I mean? I can't speak for anybody else, but it's like, I, I've never felt like you were like, Hey, look at me. I'm not drinking. Oh you no. You know what I mean? It's not. It's like, if, if I didn't know that you weren't drinking, like I wouldn't know. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, cause you're just doing what everyone else is doing. So. Um, so that's cool. You yeah. know what I mean? Like respect to that. Cause it's, it's, it takes a certain type of, uh, you know, um, strength and commitment to, to be in that. And you're obviously confident in your sobriety or you wouldn't be in those environments. Right. And that's the thing, like it group ter- di- group therapy. Wow. Can't speak. Also um, not that we're at the bar all the time. No, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but it's we, a point of that so I can't. Parties and stuff like that. that it's yeah. Like, I've seen you around people who are drinking yeah. quite a bit. It doesn't bother me at all. I was just at the cookout. I was playing flip cup. Yeah, exactly. Water. Exactly. Like who cares? Um, and, and I think too, it's cool to show people like, look, I don't need alcohol to have fun. Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying people do or that like drinking is bad when you're having fun. I'm not even saying, saying that. You right. don't need alcohol. I'm saying I don't need it. So yeah. therefore I'm just going to be who I am. Yeah. And if you have questions about it, go ahead. But I have people ask me all the time, how do you do that? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Right. And like, seriously, I would say the first year of my sobriety, they teach you to not make any huge life decisions. So not a new relationship. Don't buy a house. Don't do all that stuff. Um, and I, I didn't, I just had to completely change my atmosphere. Like, that's always my first suggestion. Look at the people that are around you and what are they doing? Yep. If they're drinking every single night, they're partying all the time, and you're trying to quit, what makes you think you're going to be able to stay sober? 100%. And that's a fact. I mean, it's not anything bad that, that that they're still choosing to do that. But, like, all the people that are my true friends and that are still friends with me to this day, even my best friend Sam, like, she was one of the first people that I told. And I was terrified because I, I met her in college, and we we did party together, and we had a good time. And so I was like... You know, that is part of our relationship. What if I lose her as a friend? You know? Yeah, and it's like, yes. she was literally like in awe. Like it was like the, I think it did nothing but strengthen our relationship. Yeah. And that's what's cool is it's like, like the people that are still in my life now, they, it's not even a question. Like it's not even, it's not, it's not even a topic. It's just not, not a thing. Not and, a thing. and that, but I will say when you first start out, it can be if you're around the wrong people. So it was like, I stopped going to bars. Like I, I did all the things getting me out of that atmosphere to create a new lifestyle for myself. Yeah. And that comes with everything. Like, what am I putting into my body? How am I taking care of myself mentally, physically, spiritually? I was, I made myself journal every single day, no matter how tired I was. Yeah. Like it was a point in my life where I don't think I've ever been more disciplined. I'm sure. And I th- I was thinking about that lately just because of my journey now about discipline, right? Because it was, I was journaling every, journaling every single night. I said, no matter how tired I was. So the program was eight weeks, I believe. So for eight weeks, I said I would journal every single night, go to church every single Sunday. So you're living at home, right? You're not living like, at home. Okay, so it's like an outpatient. Yeah, yeah. Meet, do group therapy. You just go in for a couple hours. Goals, yep, yep. And they like, <coughs> you know, there were other people that would come in and stuff like that. And I... Um, I forgot where I was going with that. Group well, therapy. so you said it was eight weeks. It was eight weeks long. 
Um, well, one thing that stood out to me when you were talking about that, you're talking about changing your environment, you're talking about getting sprayed, is you know, whenever I'm walking with somebody through addiction, um, I'm, not, I'm not a doctor, right? I'm not a psychologist. I'm not any of those things. What I am is someone who has worked with a tremendous amount of people mm-hmm. um, and has been through, as you have, a lot of hardship in my own life, right? And I, I think I've got it figured out, man. I really yeah. do. And now how we express this, how we get this to people, that is all to be decided, right? But in any addiction, I don't care if it's alcohol addiction, pill addiction, meth addiction, pornography addiction, whatever it is, right? It's community and purpose. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's true. Because seriously, because that was one thing that Kylie really encouraged me about was community. Mm-hmm. Like he's done that for me since day one where he's like, you know, Jesus, he, they, how did he word it in a really great way where he was just saying like, you have to be, and we talked about that actually a lot when we started becoming friends that like, I felt like that was a portion of my life I was missing, right? Like a community of like, I feel like I'm constantly pouring out and I'm not getting poured into. Yeah. And, you know, I had just, not that I didn't have emotional intelligence when that was going on. I just, I don't think I was, I just didn't have the tools. Like yeah. I really just, I didn't. And we need other people. Because I, gr- I, mean, I have a great family. I have great support. Like, support wasn't an issue. But like you said, you, but also, you know, your family wasn't trying to get sober. So it was like right. when you went to that group, you know, the first thing you said just, you know, was Connection that immediately. You knew, and you knew you weren't alone. Right. Right. That, that sentiment of knowing that you were not alone can change everything. And this was a room full of strangers. Yeah. Like, right. all different walks of life, you know. So I, I really think that that truly was, like, the best thing I ever did, honestly. Like, which is so, it's so cool because like your life back a hundred percent, hundred percent. We have no idea where it would be had those decisions not taken. And I think honestly too, I don't really know. I mean, my sisters and I, we have talked about it. Obviously they know, you know, the aggressiveness of my drinking and stuff like that, but I was never like a, I kind of hit it. Like I hit it for a really long time or so I thought I was hiding it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like. You know, my sisters, when we talk about that, when I went through what I did, it allowed me to connect with them in a different way of saying, like, listen, like, I'm going through this and this is dangerous. And mom was right. This is genetic. And you guys just need to be careful. And they and they don't they they never really have drank like I did. Like they they can. Yeah, they can socially drink like neither of them really drink that much. And so it wasn't even a thing of like support. Like it was just someone else understanding the mindset and not making me, like you said, feel like I was alone, Absolutely. you know? And Absolutely. it's like, we're crazy to think that we're alone and we're the only person that has an addiction <laughs> out of the billions of people, yeah. right? It's, it's, and it's like, but I, because I was, I considered myself hole, normal. You can't see out of the hole. Right. But I considered myself like normal. Like, I have a good job. I went to school. I have a great education, great family, right. played sports. Like, the typical, just like, I have a very, I'm very thankful and blessed to have that life. So it made me feel really guilty and shameful that I, have such a good family and I have such a support system, friends, family, all that. And I was dealing with what I was dealing with. And it's like the second I opened up about it, it was like, and Kylie can attest to this too. The second I opened up about it, it was a like weight off my shoulders, like freedom Yeah. because nobody can take anything away from you. You admit to like there's, it's crazy. It's just so crazy. Oh, like the second that I was able to say out loud, like I need help. Right. Like, I've never literally looked back one time. Well, it takes a tremendous amount of humility and courage, right, to 
come forward with those things and yeah. say, hey, I need, I need help. There's a, a, there's a problem, and B, I can't solve it on my own. Right. Right? That's, exactly. so, that's so cool. You and spiritually, too, when I get the question about, you know, how did you, how? Like, I just, I don't get it. Like, truly, this is not my own doing. Yeah. And whether you're a believer or not believer, 100%, I know this is God intervention because, like, I don't even, like, I can't even stand the smell of alcohol. I don't crave it. Like, nothing. Yeah. And that that's not... My dad says the same thing. It's crazy. Have you ever talked to my dad? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, okay. A little bit. Yeah. And, and I think, like, the, the craziest part that I was thinking about lately on my six years on Wednesday was, since sobriety, I have gone through also really tough, horrible things, mm-hmm. and never once have I picked up a drink. That's that's the true test, right? It's because like, it's... If I, your life was all rainbow since then, it's like, woohoo, still sober, but it's like, no, we're still doing life. Life yeah. throws curveball. Yeah. I mean, I've experienced a lot Not of... Not even wanted to? No. That's really cool. Like, I, that's so cool. Um, A lot of death, you know, and never once has it even crossed my mind. That's awesome. That's now, awesome. I will say, like, I'm sure there are... I don't think there's even really ever thoughts there. It's just more so, like, hmm, like curiosity, but I would still like, never pick it up. I it's just that. more so, like, man, six years. Like, it's pretty crazy. Like, it's crazy to think that I haven't had a drop of alcohol in that long. Yeah. Like, literally not a drop. It's amazing. Yeah, no, I can't even picture you drinking. It's weird. Yeah, because you, you didn't know me before that. Of life and speaking of, okay, so 2019. Okay, so this is... This you, This is the segue. Yeah, this is the segue. So you, you're going through this healing process, right? You, you've gotten sober. You've done this. 2019, you decided to launch A-Red. Yep. Let's talk about it. April 2019. Um, I was living at home. I looked at my parents. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to open my own fitness business. Also, for the listeners, this is A-Ray Fitness. Fitness. Not A Ray and J, nutrition and fitness. Yeah, so, so I opened up my own LLC four years ago. Is that four years ago now? It was, oh yeah, gosh, it's 2023. Crazy. It was yeah? Yeah, four and a half because it was April ago. of 19. Yeah, yeah, so A Ray Fitness is what I opened in 2019, which was my own LLC. Okay. Yeah. Um, Tell us about that. What so I kept there? my job at Longhorn as a uh, serving food um, because I made like $10 an hour plus tips. And I was like, well, with that money, I could still pay my bills. You know, what if I don't get clients right away? Blah, blah, blah. I was full-time in six weeks and, <laughs> and like, quit Longhorn because I was like, screw this, I'm out. Like, yeah, I'm yeah, just done yeah. with it. I was done, you know? Totally. So, it became really busy really quickly. Um, and actually, so that would have been April. I got my, I was able to even get my own apartment by June. Okay. Um, and so, I was living in a studio apartment at the time. Okay. But I was training at a gym here in town. Um and I just, I knew a lot of people because I've always been really active in the community. I played sports and I think that's huge. Like when people know who you are and what you stand for and just word of mouth just moves quickly. So mm-hmm. I was really blessed in that way. And my mom, shout out to mom. She's the OG client. I've literally had her since day one, since I was at my first job Paying 10 client. years ago. Paying client. Yeah, yeah, Never yeah, once yeah. have I ever, has she ever asked to be free. That's support, man. You know, she support. should be, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, you should, I should be charging her triple, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, so I. So literally from, if I'm hearing this right, from launch to full time, six weeks. Yep. That's crazy. Six weeks. Like That's full, crazy. full load. That doesn't pay my bills. for so many people. No. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't. And listen. If you're a trainer right now and you're listening to this, you're like, damn, that didn't happen to me. Hey, that's not, it, no shame. Di- like, don't, don't, everyone has their own timelines. These things happen at different times. You could work at something for 10 years and then it break open for you. That's just actually. I mean, I've had, tor- I've had terrible months. Like, we, we sure. all have. Yeah, like, yeah, slow yeah. months. Yeah. Um, Regardless, that is an impressive situation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's pretty it, crazy. It, it is. It is. 
But I, that's all I was doing at the time. I don't even know if I was coaching then either. I think dad and I had quit coaching by that point. But mm-hmm. that was like my full-time gig. And then um, after, so in 2020, obviously COVID happened. I got actually fit in my dog in January of 2020. Okay. So I got him right before COVID happened. And so thankful I did. A built-in at-home buddy? Oh, because I was in the studio apartment alone. Yeah. And, like, we didn't know. Like, nobody knew what was going on. Like, no. are we allowed to drive places? Can we go out? Like, oh, should yeah. we get stuff delivered? Like, nobody this, knew. The, be- the beginning of COVID was actually, like, nice. In the, and I don't want to, like, get caught up on COVID. Yeah, right? yeah. But the beginning of it was kind of nice in the sense of, like, no one was against each other yet. It wasn't, yeah. like, different belief. Oh, I believe in this and I believe in that, right? In the beginning, it was all, everyone was, like, Hey, we're all freaked out. Like we all gotta hunker down. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was yeah, it was. It was it was scary for well, everybody in the beginning. And the gym shut down here. Yeah. So I was, yeah. you know, stuck in an apartment by myself. So it actually helped me train him because he was a puppy. Yeah. He's only eight weeks old. So I spent a lot of time training him and just like working on, you know, becoming a better trainer and educating myself and stuff. And then when the gym opened back up, so that would have been all of 2020. I moved into a house in June of 2020. So I've been there ever since. Okay. And then actually in 2021, that's when I moved my business to my house and I was training everybody in my garage gym at my house, which those were the days, right, Angie? I know you missed those. <laughs> no <laughs> That overhead. was actually super fun. Yeah. yeah no, so no sure. overhead. I got to put You're a bunch of money away. back at that time and be like, hey, that was cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. always, yeah. You'll yeah. always have that. And it, and it made me keep my house clean all the time because people are always yeah. coming to my house, you know? Right, right. Um, I had, like, literally 15 people in and out of my house every day. That's so cool. For about a year. Yeah. Because when you and I met, that was in December of 2021. Yeah. Which yep. is crazy. So I was still working at my house, had no overhead, and I had told him, you know, my next step is I hope that we can get a place and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no, no, no. It would have been December of 2020. Was it? It would have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because December 21... Is whenever we sat down to talk if we were going to. Oh, like Christmas. Yeah, 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 you're right. So December 2020. 2020. Yeah. yeah. So I was still, I trained at the house for about a year. And again, I got, it was good for me. I got to put a bunch of money away. And then that led us into having our own facility now. Yeah. That's so amazing. it's kind of, yeah, it's been full. My biggest thing now, like, you know, when we talk future and our goals here and just me and personally and professionally, my biggest thing with this doctorate is I just want to be able to help people make informed decisions okay i've all the doctors i've been to until recently never was i ever given all my options right you should be given all your options in every circumstance and you are allowed to choose and be make an informed decision for yourself instead you should never be pushed into making a decision and i want to be an advocate for people in this community that says like i i was never given all of that like had I known, again, it's cheesy, but had I known then what I know now, I would, I would have, I wouldn't have had to deal with all of that sickness and, and all of that. Right. Um, and I would have been able to make better informed decisions for myself. Um, and you know, my mom was a nurse and she, she was the one really helping me make those decisions because she was the one that was educated in it. Sure. Right. So she was really the only one that was like able to help me until recently. And we did pretty much everything we could do. And so when I'm not getting the help that I need, I'm the type of person, well, if you're not going to help me, I'm going to help myself and I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. And so that's what I want to be for here, for this community, whatever that looks like. I just want people to be able to know that they are allowed to advocate for themselves, that like you don't have to be pushed to take a pill. I'm not saying medicine isn't helpful again, but I'm just saying know all your options. Yes. 
And even my gynecologist that I go to now, he knows I'm super holistic. He's hilarious because I'll ask him and he'll be like, okay, well, I know you're not going to take this medicine, but here's a pamphlet. <laughs> go home and read about it. Yeah. In case you're curious. <laughs> but he doesn't push it on me. Dude, I'll take that all day long. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's doing his job Definitely. by letting me know medicinal interventions. That yes. is what he's for. He is literally, literally <laughs> a doctor of medicine. Right. Yes. And yes. that's okay. And that has its place. And that's fine. Heck yeah, it does. Heck so yeah. my goal with this, when I did the application pro- process, I want to be able to bridge the gap. How can I bridge the gap between doctor and patient? Yes. Right? How can, because how many people go to the doctor and they give them a plan and they say, okay, go home and do this. Right. The average person can't go home and do that on their own. They right. need someone to help them implement it. That's, it. The, that's the gap that I want to be. Yeah, and I want to give them their natural yeah. options too. Like, hey, just so you know, you can do this, whatever you choose, it's cool with me, but I want you to know that you have options. You that's know? And that is that, that functional world, right? Which it is, in, in my, I, I'm not saying this is how it actually breaks down, but from my perspective, it, I want us, and this is what you're doing, right? And, but, but this business, right, as a whole, um, my vision for that is, okay, if a hospital is not really what I need right now, right? Like, I, it, if a, if a, a church likes is not really the thing that I need right now, right? Uh, the gym is not really the, what bridges these gaps, right? Like, and so I think, I really do. I think of kind of, you know, what we do and where we're at as being a go-between, um, between like a traditional, uh, medical center and a gym yeah right and it's like where you go for that in between and that is where we are yeah right is is we are intervening in that in between space yeah and like i said giving people the knowledge because if you have all the knowledge like you get to make your own decisions like i'm not the one that gets to do that for you so if you have all the knowledge and then you choose not to follow the knowledge that's on you totally but but what's not on you is when you don't know right and i didn't I didn't know for so many years. So it's like, I want to be able to give people their options so that they can make those decisions for themselves. For sure. And I think this is going to be a really huge gateway for us with that because I just, I really truly know that I'm going to be able to help them so much more in the functional medicine. Like there's still so much more to learn. Like I just, it's not black and white at all. It's a complicated, you know, it's a complicated process. And so I'm, I'm excited to be able to take that and apply it. And like, my goal is, like I said, I want to open nonprofit for women who've been sexually assaulted. I would love to do that and just do more outreach into the community. And I think this is going to be huge for that. And wherever God's calling me to, that's where I'm going to go. That's amazing. And I, you know, I'm going to be next to you for as many of the things um, as I possibly can. It's like, you know, we were talking about it the other day, right? We, we have a business together. You're going to go do things that I'm not going to be a part of. I'm going to go do things that you're not going to be a part of, but um, we're always, you know, have this thing that we do together. And I just think it's so cool, man, yeah. that, you know, we can motivate each other, work off of each other, build something together and yet, you know, maintain our independence and, um, and, and do the things that we want to do to, because our impacts are going to be different, yeah. right? Like our, our impact together is a thing, you know, the A Ray and J impact. Um, but then, you know, my impact in people's lives and your impact, we have, we have not different missions. We want to see healthy people. Yeah. But the kinds of people, the the issues, right, that we're solving are different. Right? They're different. And so I just, I don't know. It's so cool, man. It's so cool. Well, and like to touch the only other thing that about sobriety that I touched base a little bit on it on Wednesday. But <clears throat> the biggest thing that's 
hard for people to understand that don't have an addiction or maybe haven't struggled with a substance is it doesn't just go away. Like healing is a process. It's just like grief, right? Grief never goes away. It might become more manageable, Mm -hmm. but it never goes away, right? My addiction is more manageable now, okay? I choose it every single day. Healing is a choice. So this isn't a thing where it's like, oh man, I'm just gonna not drink today. Well, yes and no. Like I choose that every single day. I choose God's plan for me. I choose my deep relationships. I choose my sisters. I choose my parents. I choose you and your family. And I know I don't have any of that without my sobriety. So that is number one. Like God's number one. Sobriety is number two before everything because I'm not who I am without that. But to be clear, it's a choice. I choose that. This isn't a, oh, Ashlyn's addiction is gone. That's not, that's not how it works. And so I think as, as friends and family and a society, we need to do a better job of understanding that this is still a very big deal that I haven't picked up a substance in six years. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it is. It's the, um, it's actively supporting, right? Is it's knowing things are understanding that whenever you make a decision, you make a commitment, um, whether it's to be sober or something else, it, it is, it's, you know, I, the way, yes. I, yes, I second everything you said, because that's, that's how I feel about, like, my marriage, right? It's like, we said I do seven and a half years ago, right? We did. We stood in front of people, right? We got married before the state. That's great. We have to choose each other every, every. day. And you got to put the work in every single every day. day. And it's like, I actively choose Allison on a daily basis, and that is why we have what we have. Just like you actively choose sobriety on a daily basis. And that is why your life looks like it does for now. Yeah. And I do love that God has taken it and I don't think about it every day. I right, don't. Right. So it's like, it's not a, like it, you said, the, the activity of it, it, it does diminish over time. Like it yeah. gets easier over time. It gets, it's not at the forefront of your brain. Right. Like if you have a, a, a argument today or something, somebody cuts you off in traffic, you're not like, Oh, where's the tequila? Right. Like that's not exactly. where your head's at anymore. Right. Like your I wouldn't even think of different. it. Yeah. Yeah. And as you know, like when I can't wait until we get into your story too, because our stories are very similar and it's just with, with healing, it's, you realize as you get older, like being 32 now, I'm much more emotionally intelligent and more mature. And I, I realize that a lot of the things that I'm going through now, because healing is a process, it doesn't matter that it's been six years, whether that be working through trauma or, you know, I don't know. It just presents itself in other ways. I might not be picking up alcohol, but the the addictive mindset or the issues that stem from trauma and death and grief and all that present itself in different ways. That might be anxiety. That might be depression. I can't get out of bed. That could be like no matter. It could be sickness. I mean, it could be so many different things. Well, it's it's the the, the body and the mind are going to actively choose. So so for example, like if you're addicted to a substance because of escapism. Okay, and you deal with that substance like you did with alcohol. Yeah, like you said, your your body and your mind are going to look for other ways to escape. You yep, know what I mean? They're exactly. going to look for other ways to cope. And so, you know, it's our job to, you know, to be watchful, to pay attention, to be feeling ourselves whenever certain attitudes rise up in us, right? When we start yeah. feeling certain things and going, okay, like, like, like what's going on here? Like, where, where, where is this trying to take me right now? Well, an encouragement to everyone else that, like, when you're working through stuff, it, there's not a timeline. Like, yes, no. it's been six years, but like, I'm still working through plenty of stuff. Oh yeah. Like it's not really probably ever going to go away. I mean, it's kind of presenting itself a little bit in like my current relationships where like, not in a bad way, but I'm just realizing maybe certain conversations that make me uncomfortable or they make me nervous or anxiety presents itself 
in just certain situations. And so when you're able to reflect on that, be like, why am I feeling the way that I am right now? Yeah. Like, what would I tell a client? I would tell them, well, why are you feeling the way that you are? Like, have you even thought about that? And I'm like, they're just, it's weird to think of a connection that happened six years ago, yep. you know, to, to now. It's like, why is this? Because you can get mad too. There's other emotions that come out of it where it's like, why am I dealing with this? Right. I'm already past this. Well, and then like that anger turns into like shame. Yeah. Right? Where it's like you're shaming yourself where it's like, oh, it's been so long. I shouldn't. You should still, be over this. Right. I still, still shouldn't battle or I, yeah, I should be over this by now when it's really like, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe you're still dealing with the, the, the root causes of why you turn to this thing in the first place. Yep. Right. Alcohol is just a form uh, or, you know, alcohol abuse is just a form of stuffing. Yeah. Right. You're stuffing, stuffing, stuffing. You can stuff with other things. You can be, you know, a workaholic. You can be, yep. you know, you know, it's so it's, there's so many avenues, you know, you can literally can get addicted to working out. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And I, I definitely went through that. We they, should, we should honestly, cause that's gonna be a long rabbit hole. We probably should do a podcast eventually about healthy outlets as far as not necessarily healthy addictions, but I have like here. Tell me what you think about this, and be honest. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. I I'm not gonna sit here and say that it's quote unquote healthy to have addictions. Okay, I'm not. What I am gonna say, okay, because maybe there's people out there that are going through stuff, and maybe they're not quite ready to muster up the courage to make the decision that mm-hmm. you did. Right. Yeah. There's people out there that, that, that that's the case. Yeah. So it's like, I'm not saying addictions are healthy. With that being said, there are addictions that the end results can be positive. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And, and that, 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 that's all, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I'm not saying, this is what I'm saying. If we're stuffing something and you stuff the same thing with alcohol versus training, yeah. you will have a different end result. You still need to deal with those underlying root causes of the problem. That is integral. Mm-hmm. But if you're not ready to get all the way there, don't feel so trapped. Look out. Know there's other ways that you can spend your time, that you can spend your money. There's other things that you can do. I just wanted to say yeah. that. You know what I mean? Because it's a journey. It is. And, and not everyone can go cold turkey, no. right? Like, they really can't. And I have several that wasn't friends really that... my story. So it's like... yeah. I mean, I have several friends who are sober now and their journey looks completely different. You know, they were sober for a little bit. They picked it up a couple of times and like, it's just part of their story. It's nothing bad that it's different than mine. It's just, I don't know. I just made the decision to just, I don't know. I just told my, I told my brain it wasn't an option. Yeah. Like if you really want to grow into who God's asking you to be, this isn't an option. Like God made that really clear to me. Right. And I think it's it fits your personality too, right? We're we're all or nothing people. Yeah. You know, we, we are. We're intense. Yeah. It's like, you know, whatever we're gonna do, we're gonna do it. So yeah. I, I think it's fitting. I think it's exactly what you needed, exactly when you needed it. Yeah. And I think, you know, for us and our business and everything, it it's a huge part, like what happened to you, even if you can't control it, right, is a huge part of who you are. Because those were just stepping stones to get me to where I am now. Absolutely. And, like, I look back at it, and, again, I just, I don't think I would change anything. As hard as it is to say, it's like, but I just, I wouldn't be where I am now. Like, God does everything for a reason. And if I truly, firmly believe that as much as I say I do, then I have to rest in, in the fact that God's going to use this somehow. And I just think it's really cool. He already has, he is, and he will. Yep. 
All right. Well, with that being said, Ashlyn, thank you so much for uh, letting us get to know you today, right? Spending some time. Um, everyone out there, I hope you've had a great week. If you haven't, think about the things that you could do differently. If you can change those, change those. If there's things out there that you couldn't do differently, if there's things that are out of your control, submit those to a higher power, submit those to um, surrender, just surrender in general and go, okay, I can't control that. And, and don't compare your journey to anyone else's. That's right. Don't that's compare right. your journey to anyone else's. It'll just make you miserable. Yours is yours and ours is ours. Yep. With that being said, this has been Bear My Soul. We love you. Bye-bye.